song while least we we just uh, getting into the spirit praise be to god i need That's your desire this morning. certain things in your life that you can share with others things that you can whisper to the next person we are here to say the lord is here to supply from his riches and glory such as you have need of if you can only believe shall we pray gracious heavenly father fountain of life inexhaustible incomparable above all kingdoms powers principalities we come unto thee this morning with humility upon our hearts gratitude upon our lips to know that you are a god who's mindful a god who's attentive a god who cares he say cast your cares upon me because i care come you all that are heavily laden and are laboring and i'll give you rest and this morning we are coming on the basis of your promise because we know every promise of god is a seed and then where do not return unto the void but it will accomplish whatsoever that you sent it for. And Father, it gives us courage to come before the throne of grace with boldness to obtain mercy because we know you cannot disappoint. We have no record in the Bible of any man that has entered in your presence and has walked out empty-handed. 
each man that stepped into that Shekinah presence, their lives were never the same again. And we believe today, this morning, you are here because you promised in your word that wherever two or three are assembled in this fashion, I shall be in their midst. You say it in a little while, the world shall see me not, but yet you shall see me because I shall be with you, even in you, unto the end of the world. Lord, that's our consolation that you're omnipresent, you're omniscient, you're omnipotent. Lord, even though the enemy may try to rage, your word taught us that if it comes like a flood, your Holy Spirit will lift up a standard against him. Because there's no weapon fashioned against us that will prosper. As you speak to Joshua, you also speak to us in this end time. That fear not, be thou strong and be courageous. Nothing shall be able to stand before you, whithersoever thou goest. As I was with William Marion Branham, I shall be with you. We are resting upon that, O God. And this morning, Lord, as your children are raising up their hands, this Easter morning, the jewel sunrise, dear God, we are under expectation that this risen sun may quicken the gem of life, the seed that is locked inside of our souls, that we can manifest the promises of our day, that we can be the fulfillment of prophecy, that we can be part of your great progression, the scriptural continuity, like John the Baptist. Lord, they asked him who he was. He did not tell them the earthly name, but he told them, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He was able to identify his life from the Bible, like the Lord Jesus when he was given the scroll and he took, he opened the rightful place that was in line with the season of the hour. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Father, we pray that even this hour, as William Branham could do the same in 65, dear God, while he was preaching birth pains, and that priest, the Roman Catholic priest, assisted by giving him a Bible when he could not find the page, he came back the next day and he preached. This day, this scripture, is fulfilled before your ears. He was able to identify his portion, the fulfillment of the declaration of vengeance. And Father, we believe we are not coincidental happenings. We are here for a purpose. We are expressed into time for a cause. And there is a place you want to see your bride standing. Things you want to see us doing. And Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of our understanding. That Lord, we can walk with positivity in the scripture of our hour, the bride herself taking the word itself and revealing herself in itself, quickening the scripture that has been written about her. That is our quest even this morning, O oh God, come and let it be. May you supply every need, forgive every sin and trespasses, lift every burden, take away confusion, family problems, financial issues, Things that block your children from concentrating. It doesn't matter how small people think it is. We know if it matters to us, it will matter to you. And I pray that you come to everybody's level and address, oh God, that which they have need of. They have not raised their hands to a man. They've raised their hands to God Almighty. Come and prove yourself alive in our midst. That as we walk out of this building, we walk out with a testimony that we serve a miracle-working God. 
a God who loves us, a God who cares for us. We thank you, almighty King, for the wonderful atmosphere, the beautiful singing. Dear Lord, we feel the atmosphere is charged and we are ready, Father, to receive from on high. Come through and take preeminence. Take the humanistic element away. Let me not speak of my own undertake for me. I don't come here with ability. I know I'm insufficient and I'm trusting upon thee, O God, that you put the picture that you have ordained from the foundation of the world connecting to the desire of the local pastor for consecration. Father, I believe it was not his desire. It was your desire expressed through him. And may we tap into that channel, that realm, that dimension, Lord, that we can be vessels through which you can usher in your perfect will for the glory of the kingdom of God. That is our prayer, Lord. Give us caution, attentiveness, that we can tread with circumspection in this thine word. That after all is said and done, we'll speak of edification. For that is the reason we are here. To be edified, to be encouraged, to be established upon the present truth. That's our prayer, Lord. Bless everybody as we are coming to the segment of the word. As we dedicate and commit everything in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. May the Lord bless you, saints. Salute the pastor. God bless you, pastor. We're still appreciating you, your love, and uh, this obligation that you have placed before us. Amen. Also acknowledge Brother Dioka. God bless you so much. Amen. Then today, by God's grace, we'll be continuing uh, with our subject that we started on on, on Friday, by God's grace, and allow me to take this opportunity to appreciate the church. This will be my last service. Amen. Amen. Appreciate your love. We appreciate your sacrifices and uh, the treatment that we are receiving here. It's uh, beyond what we have received anywhere else on earth. Amen. Amen. So we certainly appreciate you so much. God richly bless you, the pastor. We really appreciate the room service, the food. Praise the Lord. It's just wonderful. Amen. Amen. It's like you are trying to say spiritually, that's what we want, brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You're, you're not just eating this good food, but we also want the same. Amen. And really, we appreciate that. And the music, wonderful. Amen. Amen. And we wish you could pack all these people, put them in your pocket, and go back to vendor with them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Or we can do a clone of them and... You take a part of them. It's so wonderful. The anointing charged and you just feel like a preacher even before you start because of the music. So God richly bless you musicians and um, we are very thankful. Amen. So maybe without wasting time, uh, we want to come to the word of God. Now, um, we started with uh, the purpose of our exodus which was a Passover message is that right? And then uh, yesterday we moved to consecration for interdimensional travel, three bodies three realms of men and three elements we dwell in that was an unleavened bread sermon, is that right? Changing dimensions, praise the Lord now this is the resurrection day praise the Lord 
and then we'll be having another subject. Now I'll be talking about consecration steered by the awareness of the age and present stage of our ministry. Consecration steered by the awareness of the age and present stage stage of our ministry as the bride of Christ. Is that right? Because sometimes certain people, if they don't realize what time it is, there is no desperation or urgency in them. But the time you recognize that is time is fast spent, like the angel that was wrestling with Jacob, you see, he, he, he had to act because the sunlight was coming. Is that right? Like a witch, you know, when they are doing their things in the night, when light is coming as well, they have to pick their things very fast or else they'll be found caught red-handed. Is that right? Amen. Praise be to God. And as the bride as well, when we look at the time, Israel being our timepiece, you know, it behooves us to be consecrated, you know, because we know our age and the present stage of our ministry. Father Branham was asked one time that does the bride have a ministry? Yes, we do have a ministry. And if you understand our ministry, we know how to act in such a time as this. Praise the Lord. So now Luke 24, by the grace of God, it's uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. A jewel sunrise. Is that right? The S-O-N and the S-U-N. Praise the Lord. And now um, we know the Bible, it actually opens with the seventh seal. Let there be light. Praise the Lord. Is that right? Abraham preaches about Isaiah, grows darkness upon the earth, upon the people and darkness upon the earth. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. And we know ever since Genesis, there's never been a light as bright as the message of the hour. From that light that was spoken, let there be light. Up to now, this is the king of all lights. How many approve that? Praise be to God. So we know if the Bible opened with the seventh seal and it brought forth botany life, is that right? Even in our day, 1963, when the sun rose, S-O-N, there was supposed to be an awakening, a quickening. There was supposed to be a resurrection. There was supposed to be something that was locked in the earth, sprouting out to bring forth life and show its beauty. Such a time as this. Praise the Lord. Now that's resurrection. That's that's, that's, that's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was meant to bring forth a seed. Now, we know what happened. The Bible says now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found nobody, not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? That's profound, eh? Now, these are people that were told about the resurrection, but they didn't take it to heart. They thought Christ was just manufacturing stories. And this word has no, had no power to bring forth of its kind. So this was actually a sign of unbelief, going to the tomb to anoint the dead body of Christ. Because he had spoken that he will rise on the third day. Praise the Lord. 
How many believe the Lord is risen? Praise God. Not 2,000 years ago. In our day. How many believe he has risen in our day? Praise be to God. So we're not going to try to spice a dead God. Because he's alive. We're not talking about an historical figure. Praise the Lord. He's alive now. Present tense. The pillar of fire is hovering as we speak. In another dimension. Praise be to God. Now, that was a sign of unbelief. Now, the Bible comes to 13. I'm just going to skip other parts. Now, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all things, all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. When you talk about him, he appears. Is that right? And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are said? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? You know, sometimes God expresses supposed ignorance, but it doesn't mean he's ignorant. You know, there are places where a person feels they can tell the Bible what to do according to how they feel. Probably their reasoning or their emotions, they're not exactly lining up with the Bible. So they feel like the Bible did not put it exactly correct or the prophet did not say it the right way. It's supposed to be channeled to, you know, your feelings. God will just say, what things? Amen. As if he doesn't know anything. And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed and word, before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that he had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yeah. And certain women also for our company made us astonished, astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were, which went, which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word we have read. We know any man with an education can read the Bible. Any person that has eaten can turn the pages thereof. But Father, when it comes to the interpretation, it requires your spirit. You come, Lord, and have your way and anoint the scripture and circumcise our ears and hearts that we can be receptive to what you have for the day. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. We'll continue reading while you're sitting down. Now, Christ is actually rebuking these people to say, what's your problem? Is there any scripture that has been broken? You know, there are certain things that happen in our life 
and we don't understand them, but God has not broken any scripture. And he has not failed to keep his promise. Now these people were discouraged and Christ is showing that these things were supposed to be. And verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Is that right? right? Concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is fast spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Praise the Lord. You see how they recognized him at the breaking of the bread. Because you remember from Melchizedek up to Christ, there is no one that ever gave communion. Is that right? Rather, Melchizedek gave communion to Abraham. That was bread and wine when he was still King Theophany, saying, I'm in a journey that started in the mind as I was the God, El Ella Elohim, the self-existing one. And as I'm on this journey, there will come a time where I will put on flesh. Now I cannot deliver. But this bread I'm giving you, Abraham, is a sign that one day I'll put on flesh and that flesh will be broken for you. This wine will be my blood that will be spilled. Is that right? When I put on flesh. And when that happens, that city that you're looking for, whose builder and maker is God, which Barbara told us that it's not a, a, a city of mortar, brick and mortar, that body that I have that you're looking for, you'll be able to enter into it because I would have made a new and a living way back to your wet body. Is that right? So the same Melchizedek who was in Theophany is the same Christ that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So now when you would break the bread, those who would read the scriptures were supposed to think deeply, who is this man that offers communion? Is he God? Praise be to God. And he was God. Now you see these believers now, their eyes were opened at the time when the bread was broken. Is that correct? How did you recognize that this message is God? When the bread was broken, the word, when it was preached, unadulterated, uncontaminated, and there was stimulation of revelation, then after that you say, no, this has to be that Melchizedek. This has to be the same Jesus Christ in my day because the way this bread has been broken is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise be to God. Now listen to what verse 32 says. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? They're asking themselves, Did not our heart burn while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, this is when we are preaching today. 
Some people can walk out and say, but why did not my heart burn? Because this was right in line with the word. Is that right? And it convinces a believer to operate in a certain way because you have seen the opening of the word because he, he proved to them that I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament and I had to die. You know, back in the Old Testament, all these prophets were pointing to me. That's why when he was asked, or rather he asked them a question, who do you say the son of man is? Praise God. Now some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're John the Baptist that is resurrected. Christ said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the son of the living God. Is that right? Now, these other people were not lying, brother. Because when they look at Christ, they would see a Jeremiah. Some would look, but this should be Isaiah. No, but this is John. Because he was the fullness of all the prophets. He was reflecting all of them. But now him being the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Spirit of God was not upon him in measure. It was in its fullness. Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. Hear ye him. Is that right? He's the only one that is the fullness of God in him. And that's what made him God. Praise be to God. You see, every prophet would come and say, That says the Lord. This shall happen to you. That says the Lord. This shall happen to you. But if you listen carefully to the language of Christ, he was not saying, That says the Lord. I say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. If a man look at a woman to lust after her, he has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, why would you speak like that? Because he was God. He couldn't say, that says the Lord. Because he was that God. Somebody say amen to that. Now, when you open to them the scriptures, now I'm just going to jump to verse 44. There's a part I want you to catch on this scripture and then we move forward on the day of the resurrection. Now, verse 44 said, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you, which I must, which I was yet, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms <clears throat> concerning me. Is that right? Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 32, he opened the scriptures to them. Is that right? But verse 45, he opens their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. Now there's a difference there, friend. The word may be opened, but your understanding is not opened. Is that right? You, you can listen, you know, with your ears, what we are preaching right now. Say, surely this is the word of God. But you can't apply it in your life. You can't apply it to your problem. You can't use the very same word to resist the devil. The word to you is an intellectual thing, an intellectual lecture that makes you an intellectual giant. Somebody that can debate, you know, with your friends about the Bible and you always come out victorious. But when the enemy comes, you're not able to resist him. Why? It's a sign that your understanding has not been opened. Now, if you watch here, the Bible says, Then said unto them, Thus it is written, he explains, 
And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem and the eyewitnesses of these things. And behold, I send a promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now you see what happens here. When the eyes of understanding, understanding the scriptures were opened, they began to praise God. They began to worship God. They began to adore God. Meaning worship must be connected to the revelation of the word. If you are only worshipping outside revelation, you worship him in vain. As the Bible says, these Pharisees, you worship me in vain, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Now vain worship was because it was outside the revelation of who God was. And even in this end time, we can preach, we can sing, we can worship, but our worship must be connected to the revelation of the word of our day. Then God can accept that kind of worship. Now this is resurrection morning, brother. Today is resurrection morning. People's understanding of the scripture is being opened. And I believe you are not going to leave this place without the understanding of the scripture. How you relate to the Bible. Not to a church, but to the Bible. Not to a man, but to the word. Because the prophet says, I'm not interested in starting a church or a denomination or that a group of people follow me. I have no interest in those things. My interest is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and man. That's the purpose of William Branham and that's also our purpose. Somebody say amen. amen. How many love the Lord? Amen. Now, I want you to see, they were waiting, rejoicing. What were they waiting for? The promise of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They were waiting for Pentecost. Is that right? That's right. That was the first fruit. Now, we, we, we are going to go in detail, like I promised yesterday, that you really understand these feasts and why they relate to our lives. Because they were now waiting for the promise of the Holy Ghost. That's Pentecost, the feast of weeks. Now, if you come to Leviticus 23, the Bible tells us clearly about these feasts and how they relate to Israel. I'm talking about natural Israel. Praise the Lord. And we are spiritual Israel. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the Passover, in Leviticus 23, you go through it. It was the time they left Egypt in Exodus 14. Is that right? And it was in the first month, which was Abib or Nisan, according to the Jewish. Abib is Babylon. Amen. Amen. Now, in the 14th day of the first month, Moses said you must slay the lamb and apply the blood and God will pass over you. Praise the Lord. You will not die. That was the Passover. 
Now it was pointing to Christ to come. That when he comes and his blood is spilled upon Calvary and men apply that blood, death will not come your way. God will pass you over. That's the angel of death. Is that right? And Christ fulfilled that. And then the unleavened bread, we say it was the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ when he went to the regions of the lost. Now, in that day, they were not supposed to eat bread with leaven. Is that right? It's a sign that Christ was crucified sinless, spotless. There was no problem. Is that right? He took your sin and he died for your sins. Praise the Lord. And then he was in the regions of the lost. That was the second day, the 15th of Abib. And on the 16th was the first fruit. Now there, they would take the wheat that would have ripened and they'll bring it to the priest. And the priest would wave that wheat as a wave offering, thanking the Lord for the harvest, saying we believe that all that's behind will mature to this level. Praise the Lord. And Christ was called by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ our first fruits. Is that right? Because he's the one that was resurrected first before anything. And it was a sign that the grave cannot hold a believer. Praise be to God. How many love the Lord? And now, there was a gap, like we speak, between Pentecost, rather, first fruits and Pentecost. And then now it was a 50-day gap. Because Pentecost is 50. And then, this is the time that we just read, when he resurrected. He was with the people for 40 days. Is that right? And he was not here to perform miracles. He was here to teach the word. He was opening the understanding of the scriptures. You, you get the point? This was not first pool or second pool. He was now trying to show people how they relate to the word. Is that right? Praise be to God. How many love the Lord? How many love the Lord? Now, 40 days he, he, he preached and then on the 40th day he ascended. Acts 1 verse 11. They saw him taken up in a cloud. Then the angels stood there. So, men and brethren, why do you stand there gazing? This, this same Jesus, you see, go this way, you return in like manner. Praise be to God. And then they went to the upper room and waited for 10 days, which brought us to 40 plus 10 and it's 50. And that was Pentecost. And at Pentecost again, that wheat that was waved, they'll take it and they'll, you know, back. Now this time, it was not unleavened bread. They'll, they'll bake bread with leaven. And then that bread, they'll separate it into two. It's all in Leviticus 23. Amen? Now, that bread, when they separate it with leaven, then the priest will burn that bread, which was a type of the Jews and the Gentiles. That Christ was unleavened without sin. But the Jews and the Gentiles are with sin. They are with leaven. But the priest will burn that bread as a sign of the Holy Ghost to come. That when it comes upon them, it will burn sin out of their lives. Is that right? Now that's the feast of Pentecost. It was in the third month. Praise the Lord. Now the people will go back home. Praise the Lord. And they'll come back in the seventh month. Now after four months. Praise the Lord. Now they'll come back for the feast of the trumpets. Praise the Lord. Now maybe we can read that part in, in, in Leviticus. Praise the Lord. Leviticus 23. How many love the Lord? How many are enjoying so far? 
it's important that we see the picture together. Now, in Leviticus 23, I'm going to read from verse um, 23. Okay. I'll read 23. Praise the Lord. Now, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and holy convocation. Is that right? right. Now, this is in the seventh month. Is that right? Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now, this is the trumpets. We know the trumpets is, is, is it's, it's a call. It's calling people for, for, for the atonement. Is that right? Now, the Israelites, when they were fulfilling this, they, they did not know what it meant. You know, they were doing it religiously. That's why you find out when the lamp came, the true lamp of God, that John pointed to to say, this is the lamp of God. They could not recognize him. But yet... They were offering sacrifice, yet they were observing all these feasts, but they were not able to identify the scripture in their lives to say what we are doing is actually the progression of God's ministry. Praise be to God. Now, that's why they missed the Messiah. Now, verse 26, it says, that's atonement. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also in the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by the fire unto the Lord. And you shall do no work in that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever so it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, you shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever so it be that doeth any work in the same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even, and even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now we know atonement is the Israelites recognizing the Passover to say that was the Son of God. And it was the trumpets that called them to that. And then tabernacles, we know what it is. But now when you bring it into our day, present tense, remember we're talking about consecration steered by an awareness of our age and the present stage of our ministry. So we, we need to come to a place of identifying this. You see that the first three firsts they were fulfilled in the ministry of the Son of Man. Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Praise the Lord. It was a one man's ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you come to the Feast of Pentecost, though there are two schools of thought, but Rabbi Barnum spoke in the Feast of the Trumpets, but yet another part he also shows what it is that the church ages are in the Feast of Pentecost. How many have ever read that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The church ages are in the feast of Pentecost. Now, when you talk about the feast of Pentecost, 
It's now a change from the son of man to the son of God. Now a many membered ministry. Praise the Lord. And the Jews did not recognize the fulfillment of these first four feasts. They continued offering sacrifice. Praise the Lord. They continued doing all that the Lord required. But yet, judgment was already proclaimed. Is that correct? And now you also see the last three feasts, which is in the seventh month, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. The Gentiles are also blinded to them. Like the Jews were blinded to the first four feasts. Just like the pastor was speaking yesterday, that others who come to church say, oh, where is the pastor? I know his story. Don't worry, we'll take over the church. You understand? These are people that can't identify the progression of the word in their hour. They will continue doing what has been done. Offering sacrifices. Now you agree with me that the Gentiles are blind. The Jews were blind. The Gentiles are blind. And the only group of people that is seen is the bride. Praise the Lord. We are the only people because our eyes of understanding has been opened. We're able to identify what God is doing. What time it is. That's why it behooves us to be consecrated. Because the age we are living in, time is fast spent. The end is rapidly drawing nigh. We must stand upon our post of duty. Not relaxed like the Ephesians church did. Abraham says Ephesus, they relaxed. Is that right? And he said in that unguarded moment, that's where the devil plants the seed of complete ruination. When you are off guard, when you relax, when you're not attentive to the scriptural continuity, when the message becomes a religion and a duty, certain things will be fulfilled. And you wake up and ask Christ, if thou be the Messiah, why then do the scribes say Elijah must first come? Christ said, Elijah? Elijah came. And you do whatsoever you list. He, he came and he went. You see, these are people that did not recognize they had walked with John. They ate with John. Some were even handed to Christ by John. But they didn't recognize that John was the fulfillment of the Bible. <coughs> Praise God. <clears throat> and when we see William Branham, outside the scripture, we're not seeing him right. He becomes a Bushiri. <laughs> That's right. He becomes one of these prophets. Because we're just looking at the first pool and the second pool. Hey, I believe this message because when I read the spoken, imagine details of people's life. Problem will say, you man, you this, you know, people were being healed. That is not what amuses the bride. Oh, when I was reading the spoken, it was so, that man was a prophet of God. One man told me that, oh, you're talking about William Branham. He's your prophet. I said, yeah. I said, well, I also got my prophet. The difference between yours and mine is that Mine is still alive. And yours is dead. You see what I'm talking about? When you want to meet the devil on such grounds, he will defeat you, brother. Because they're impersonators that have risen up. There has to be something that you hold on to. Hallelujah. William Branham was told your success will be in the West. How many remember that? But look at what he did in South Africa. How many people were healed? Many truckloads, brother. Wheelchairs. All them things. In India, people repented. Praise God. 
We saw a lot of things that took place in the ministry of Branham. But yet God does not call that success. He said your success will be in the West. And what happened in the West? The revelation of the seven seals. He met with seven angels. So when you talk about the success of the bride, it's not in the first pool. It's not in the second pool. It's in the opening of our understanding to the scriptures. What happened on that day when their eyes of understanding were opened? Now you're talking about success, brother. It is written. It is written. You know, there's a language that just makes demons shake. I was talking to Pastor Brad Dioka, showing him that, you know, when he was preaching, demons were going out, even though there was nobody rolling on the ground. Praise God. Sure, brother, we believe in that. You know, when you start to feel nervous, goosebumps, the way it's being preached, you're unsettled. There's something that's being exposed. And by the preaching of the word, demons are going. You find yourself different. The preaching of the word. You don't need to roar here for you to call. Those are games. You know, if you want to play games with Satan, that's come out, all those things. I'm not saying don't pray for demons. We pray for them. And we see them go out. But what they're doing in the Pentecost, that's just games, brother. Because it's gimmicks. Because they pray for this person today, they roll. Next Sunday, they roll. Grow. It's a rolling ministry. Praise God. You see what we're talking about, brother? There's no change in the lives of the people. It's show off that I got the power. But true power is in the revelation of the word. Somebody say amen to that. When the eyes of your understanding are opened, then you know you are in the right track. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, you, you see what I'm talking about. William Branham must be identified from the Bible. He's a scriptural prophet fulfilling the scriptures. That is what makes him great. Not all the things that we can talk about that took place in his ministry, but the fact that he's fulfilling Malachi 4. And you know the prophet of Revelation 10, 7, he's got two commissions. Is that right? Praise the Lord. Is that right? To turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers and to reveal the seven mysteries contained in Revelation chapter 10. And Brabham says these divinely revealed mystery truths are the ones that will literally turn our hearts back to the faith of our forefathers. Now that's the ministry of William Branham to open the word. That's what Jesus did between the feast of first fruit and Pentecost. Between the ministry of the son of man and son of God. The prophet spoke about that. Now we, we're going to look at the same characteristics, but this time between the son of God and son of David. What we just read was between son of man and son of God. First fruits and Pentecost. That's what took place. Praise the Lord. But between the son of God and son of David, something must take place as well. And you as the bride, you must be attentive to modern events that are being made clear by William Branham's prophecy. To say these things were spoken. You're not looking for Elijah. He came and he left. You won't look for the rapture after it's gone. You'll be part of the rapture because you have believed the word all the way. Somebody say amen. Now in the Old Testament, you, you saw the the, 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 the diagram that we gave, you saw how there was son of God. Is that right? 
rather son of man, son of God, and son of David. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Praise God. It was the ministry of Moses. One man's ministry. Praise the Lord. And then Joshua came in with a many-membered ministry. Now, when you look at Joshua, he was joined to the book of Judges, which opens up with a judge called Othiniel and closes with Samson in chapter 13. And Othiniel was from the tribe of Judah. And Samson was from the tribe of Dan. Lion and eagle, is that right? Which is your church ages. Praise the Lord. And you find kings entering in from 1 Samuel. Praise God. Now introducing the son of David ministry. From Saul, we had David. And from David, we had Solomon. Somebody say amen. So we saw son of man in Moses. Son of God in Joshua and Judges. And son of David in Solomon's empire. Which was a millennium condition. Somebody say amen to that. But now when you come to the New Testament, you see the same transition. These three feasts that we speak about, they were in the life of one man, a son of man, a prophet like unto Moses. Is that right? Which was a one man's ministry. Now that's the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Brabham showed us that he came, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is that right? And Matthew was lion. Is that right? When you see the book of Matthew, it opens up with the genealogy that traces Christ back to the line of the tribe of Judah. And then when you look at the book of Mark, it opens up with John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Now he's, he's showing another character. Is that right? Praise be to God that he was not just a lion. Praise the Lord. If you give me the New Testament, brother, <clears throat> praise be to God. Now, he was not just a lion. He was an ox. Praise be to God. And as an ox is a beast of burden, John said, the lamp of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Praise be to God. And then when you come to the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, when you come to the book of Luke, praise God, it opens up with a a doctor. Praise God. A theologian, a student of the word, or Theophilus. I want to give you an orderly account of what happened in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that was an anointing of a man. Praise be to God. And when you come to John, he does not talk like all these earthbound creatures. Praise God. Because a lion, an ox, and a man are earthbound. John starts by saying, In the beginning was the word. He's above the ground. Praise God. Which is a type of an eagle. An eagle ministry. And this is one man showing all these things. Somebody say amen. Amen. How many love the Lord? Now the same Jesus when he left, he said, Tarry in Jerusalem. Allow me to take off my jacket. Praise the Lord. Until you receive power from on high. Now you see what happens when they crucified him and pierced his side. That is where the bride was given birth to. Like in Eden, when the first Adam could not have a helper, God made him to go into a deep sleep. And out of him, he operated a woman. Praise the Lord. And the woman came out from the side, the rib of Adam. 
and Christ upon Calvary, the Roman soldier came with a spear and pierced the side of Christ. What happened? The water came out. Blood came out and he gave up the ghost. The three processes of a birth. Water, blood, and the spirit. And the church was given birth that time. What kind of a church? Life of his life. Spirit of his spirit. Power of his power. He did all things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's why, praise God. Now you see when I spoke and said, a woman is a man in another body. Eve was Adam in another body. The bride is Jesus in another body. <laughs> sure. Jesus in another body. Saul of Tarsus when he was persecuting the church. You see what happened? Praise God. He was persecuting them. He met with the light. He said, who are you, Lord? That light said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Meaning the bride was actually Jesus, but in another body. Praise be to God. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. That's why you find out from Ephesus to Laodicea, it is not another life. Praise God. The first and second church age, as you see right here, praise God. It's a sign, brother. Abraham showed us that there was the first wife, white horse rider, the first seal. Praise the Lord. That was religious deception. Is it right? He had a bow but no arrow. Deceiving people in the first age. And when you study, God said when the enemy comes in the like a flood, I'll lift up a standard. Then God, to combat that white horse rider, he raised a lion anointing. That's the book of Matthew. A red horse rider, praise God. What was happening now? Political destabilization. Killing people, those who refused the deception of the white horse rider, they began to be killed. Is that right? You see, brother, the tale of the serpent. After Abel rejected it, Cain killed him from deception to death. You see that? Praise be to God. But God also raised up a standard, He gave them an ox anointing. The book of Mark. Now, we are no longer in Christ now, a many membered body. But I'm trying to prove to you that it's the same life. It's the same God. It's the same power. It's the same Jesus, but in another body. Praise God. And then when the Black Horse Rider came, that was economic destabilization. The pay of balances, right? The selling of novenas and all them things. Trying to sell prayers. And what did God say? He said, we need a man like Luke, a doctor. We need people that can think and study the Bible. Then he raised Martin Luther. Reformers, praise God. Now there was the anointing of a man. What is it coming to do, brother, to combat the black horse rider? And now the pale horse rider, we know is the combination of all of them. Praise God, it's death itself. Spiritual death. It's black, red, and white all together. And it's so deceptive that God said this battle must not be on the ground. We need something that can see a green snake in the green grass. Praise God. Then he raised up an eagle anointing. That this age requires eagles. People that can soar in their hearts. And see a green snake in the green grass. Praise God. And that is the book of John. Now do you see what I'm talking about? This son of man is the same God. But in the body of believers. Somebody say amen. amen. And then you know son of David, he comes as kings. As a king, the king of, the son of David, Solomon. is the right king of kings. 
Somebody say amen to that. But now I want you to observe something that is very important. When you look at the feast of the trumpet and the atonement, in the book of Leviticus, nothing is written. But I'm going to show you what Brother Branham says about these two feasts. Praise be to God. Because according to the Jewish people, there is nothing that you need to know between those two feasts. Because it's relating to their lives. But if you're a Gentile, it behooves you to know what is it that took place. Because we're talking about the gathering of Israel. The trumpets is what gathers Israel. Is that right? Now, when you come to Revelations, maybe we can go through it, chronologic from chapter 8, so that we see the picture I'm talking about. The feast of the trumpets. Now, they start off in chapter 8. Is that right? Am I correct? Yes. Chapter 8. It is the introduction of the seven trumpets. Is that right? And Barbara showed us that the first four trumpets is dealing with nature. Is that right? And then the last three is dealing with the inhabitants of the earth. Praise the Lord. And now, we'll start with the chapter 9, which is the fifth. Now, Barbara makes it clear that the fifth angel that sounded and that star that fell in heaven, from heaven to the earth. Okay, let me read it. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from, from, fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of, the great, uh, the smoke of, the, of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. Praise the Lord. Now, Brabham shows us this is 19... 15, 1918. It was 1914. Praise God. The First World War. Is that correct? And then he showed us that the lid of hell was opened. Those the supernatural devils that were bound. Is that right? Am I speaking spoken word here, brother? Praise be to God. And they, 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 were, they were released. That's the lid of hell. Praise God. To come and fight men upon the face of the earth. And now we see these people that rose after that. And then when you come to the sixth trumpet... When it sounded, it was the second world war, which is the second war, W-O-E. Praise God, the second world war. And then this was the time when the Jews were persecuted. You find it in 1939, praise God, when you're Hitler, you're eight men. Those detectors that were ruthless against the Jews. Now, this was trumpeting to bring Israel back to its mother's land. Praise the Lord. And we know it was in 1946. When that flag was raised in Israel. Praise be to God. In 1948, the UN acknowledged Israel to be a nation. That was in the Second World War. But now if you check chapter 9 of Revelation, it ends up with the sixth trumpet. But now, is it the same in your Bible? Or it's my Bible only? It ends up with the sixth trumpet. Praise the Lord. But when you come to chapter 11... That's where you find the seventh trumpet in verse 15 of the 11th chapter. Praise the Lord. Now, chapter 11, you know what it is. It is the feast of atonement. Those two witnesses, they're coming to reveal to the 144,000 that the seven seals that were accepted by the Gentiles, it's the message you must receive. You must receive Christ. Praise God. Babam says they will be taught the same message. That they will know 
that this man, you know, who is a Gentile, he's not really a Gentile, he's a Jew. He's a Gentile by convenience. You know, when they rejected Joseph, amen. He was a Jew, brother. But when he went to Egypt, you know what happened? He married a Gentile bride. He began to dress like a Gentile. And he was even speaking Gentile language. So when the brothers came, they couldn't even recognize that he's a Jew. Because he was speaking to them with the Egyptian language. And he was wearing Egyptian garments. But that was a Jew, brother. That was their own brother. This Jesus that came wrapped up in William Branham's clothes. He is not a Gentile God. A Gentile God. He is the same God of the Jews. The same God they rejected 2,000 years ago. But now he's coming. Good morning, friends. Good morning, friends. Today I'm going to preach on unveiling of God. All these years, I've been veiling that pillar of fire. That one that Moses had when he left Egypt. William Balaam said, I was veiling that pillar of fire. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about that one on Mount Transfiguration when they thought Jesus was just but a man. Oh, Jesus said, John, James, and Peter come up the mountain. Oh, brother, when they went up the mountain, they thought, yeah, he's a man. He sleeps, he snores. He's got mistakes. He's got a sense of humor. Ah, this is just a man. Brother, when he was up upon the mountain, Moses came, Elijah came, and Jesus said, I'm feeling hot. I want to take off my jacket. Brother, when he took off the jacket, there was great light. Peter said, who is this man? Oh, brother, the Logos, Melchizedek, he was shining. Oh, glory. Jesus said, Father, glorify me with the glory that you once had before the foundation of the world. Now that glory was made known. They thought this man was carrying the pillar of fire. Let's build three denominations. Let's build three denominations. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Christ. <clears throat> you know, when men get an experience with God, they want to start a denomination. If you get a dream and then it comes to pass, I'm a prophet. If you see a vision and then it comes to pass, you must follow me. The days of William Branham are over. It is another day. You must see God today. Hey, you just dreamt, brother. We don't know what you ate even yesterday. Nightmare. Praise be to God. You see what I'm talking about? Now a person begins to think there's something else. You start to build a denomination around an experience of a man. That's what some of these apostles do. You know, you find people walking without shoes and with a stick. You see, no, Moses was told, take off your shoes. For the place you're standing is holy. And he was, you know, they're building a doctrine upon an experience of a man of God. And they make their church go like that. You know, there are people that do that. Praise God. But God ignored Peter and said, no, behold, my beloved son. In whom I'm pleased to dwell in, hear ye him. Don't worry about churches. Don't worry about denominations. Hear ye him. I'm dwelling in him. Now William Branham, he said, I have been hiding this pillar of fire all these years. A son of man revealing the son of man. God in William Branham. That's why he will turn his back and start to discern. 
He's trying to show you the one that went with Abraham is the one with you right now. Not another man. Praise God. So God put on gentle garments to get a gentle bride. But it's the same God that will be preached in Revelation 11. Now you see six trumpets. What is it? Trumpets. Fifth of the trumpets. It gathers the Jews back to the homeland. Now Revelation 11, it is atonement. Now in Leviticus, it just tells us trumpets, atonement. But in the book of Revelation, there is a junction. There is a chasm. And in that chasm, we find Revelation chapter 10. Meaning there is something that must take place between the feast of the trumpets and atonement. Trumpets, it takes place before the rapture. Atonement takes place after the rapture. So there is a story that must happen in between. Brother Branham typed Joseph as a type of Christ. And you know, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Praise be to God. He showed you that when he was in prison, that was Calvary. Is that right? right. He had two thieves by the side, a baker and a butler. One was condemned to death. One was taken back to the palace as a type of those two thieves on the side. One was taken to paradise. The other was killed. Praise the Lord. And Abraham, that's Passover. Is that right? Joseph in the prison was the feast of Passover. And then he rose from the prison. Praise God. And he was taken to be second-hand right man from Pharaoh. Praise God. With the type of the first fruits. That he that was in the Passover in the prison has been raised from the prison. And he's going to sit at the right-hand side of the man in power. Praise God. But later on, that Joseph, what does he do? He marries a gentle bride. Esnat, praise God. And what is that? That's Pentecost. When Jesus, who was dead, passed over, and he rose at first fruits, at Pentecost, he takes a gentle bride. Praise be to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then after Joseph took a gentle bride, what happened, brother? There was economic depression there in Canaan. And it made the brothers to gather together to say, let's look for food because of drought. Praise God. Which is a type of the trumpets that brought the Jews together to look for praise be to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the brothers, when they came to Joseph by the trumpets, praise God, Joseph was in the palace. Now, between the trumpets and them staying Rather, between the trumpets and atonement. Him revealing his identity to them. That I'm your brother. Brother Branham said, he dismissed the bride. Into the palace. Is that not the rapture? So many raptures taking place between the trumpets and atonement. The gathering of the Jews. And the opening of the identity of Joseph. We've got the rapture. Somebody say amen to that. You see it, brother? In the book of Ruth. Do you see what happens? Elimelech, Chislon, Mathlon, and, and, and Naomi. They leave the promised land. Is that right? Like the Jews in AD 70. Under General Titus. In fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 9. They were destroyed, all of them, until blood had to flow in the gates of Jezreel. To fulfill that prophecy. And they were scattered amongst all the nations. And they were not a people for the past 2,000 years until 1946. 
Praise the Lord. So they left the promised land. Praise the Lord. But when the trumpet started to trumpet in Moab, you see Naomi coming back. And Brother Branham says Naomi is the type of the 144,000. Is that correct? Now when she's coming back in the hour of the trumpets, she's not coming alone, brother. She's coming with a gentle woman. And her name is Ruth, brother. Somebody say amen. Maybe let's go to the book of Ruth. There's a picture I want you to see. On the resurrection day. Consecration. Steered by an awareness of your age. And the present stage of your ministry. Don't forget that. Now, the book of Ruth. You know, it is a book of only four chapters. We've got Ruth deciding in chapter one. Making a decision to go with Naomi. Ruth serving the decision that she had made in chapter two. Ruth resting in chapter 3 and Ruth rewarded in chapter 4. Is that right? Now when you come to chapter 2, I want you to see something that happens here. Because Naomi is coming because of the trumpets. Is that right? Waiting to be redeemed by Boaz. But in that junction, when the trumpets brought her back, there is a woman that comes into picture. Now the Bible says in Naomi, verse chapter 2, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, Let's see this man, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Praise the Lord. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her harp was to light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Praise the Lord. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this. Now Boaz is coming. Now, let me just show the story. Boaz is coming. The Bible calls him a mighty man of wealth. And he comes to his field. And then there's a damsel. A new damsel. And he, he doesn't ask anybody. He asks the chief reaper. We, we call him the chief reaper because the Bible says he was over the reapers. He was the one leading all the people that were reaping in the field. Praise the Lord. Who is this woman? So the reaper is the one that introduces now this woman to this man. Now you see what happens. And then the Bible goes further to say, and the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. This is a woman that came in the time of the trumpets, 1946, when the oldest flag was raised in Israel, Brother Branham was in a cave. He met with an angel. And God said, it's the time to go and preach. To get what, brother? A bride. All across the world. That was not a coincidence. The same day in 1946, Brother Branham made the seventh. Brother Branham met with an angel. Is that correct, brother? Because there is a damsel that must be taken. And she said, I pray. 
Let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and, but, and had continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Somebody say amen. amen. Now Boaz is introduced to this woman. Let's come to the book of Luke. Maybe we'll, we'll see something. And then we'll come back to Ruth again. I just want to take a certain part. How many love the Lord? Are you enjoying the word? Praise the Lord. Now Luke chapter 21. Now, I want you to see the way that Boaz came. And then I want you to see what happens to you as well. Because in chapter 2 of Ruth, praise the Lord. You know, sometimes you just want to say open and the Bible opens itself. Eh? <laughs> All right. Now, verse 4. First, give me verse 4. I want you to see verse 4 of, 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 of Ruth chapter 2. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Is that right? Somebody say amen. amen. Boaz came from Bethlehem unto the reapers. Right. Praise the Lord. Now, in Luke 21, I want to read from verse 27. Let's start from verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity and uh, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Is that right? That's right? And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise be to God. Right in the field of Boaz, the Bible said, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Is that right? That's right. And when he came, Ruth was in the field. And he looked up to see this man Boaz. And when he looked up, Revelation 10, 1, like we spoke, I saw a mighty angel. He was mighty man of wealth. Now, I saw a mighty angel come down right. in a cloud as Luke chapter 21 speaketh. Right. And that cloud, Brother Barnum, said, turn it to the right. And when he looked up, it was Boaz. Coming for redemption. We are busy cleaning, brother. Cleaning your on the ground. Boaz is coming on a horse. Hallelujah. And Ruth, when she's cleaning, she hears the horse coming. She looks up. She sees that cloud. My redemption draweth nigh. Praise be to God. Between the trumpets and atonement, there's Revelation chapter 10. A mighty angel. Jesus Christ coming to Malachi 4. Revelation 10, 7. The chief reaper to introduce Revelation 10, 8 to 11 to Boaz. 
Because chapter 11 is Naomi. Praise be to God. 144,000. Somebody say amen. Amen. So there's a story, brother, between the trumpets and the torment. And it's the redemption of a gentle woman. It's the redemption of a bride. This is the hour we are living in. Oh, brother, consecration must be steered by this kind of understanding. We are not coincidental happenings. We are not just just believers. This is not just a church. This is not just preaching. This is the voice of God in the last days. Praise God. You must understand this. You know, I'm, I'm bothered when you're trying to testify to a person, you, you're telling them about William Branham, and they say, yeah, hey, that's good testimony. Even our prophet did the same, you know. You know, you feel like, this people are not really getting what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to show you a prophet like your prophet. This is another prophet. Praise God. He's not just a prophet. You don't compare him with any other prophet. He was greater than Moses. Jesus allowed him to even perform more miracles in his ministry than he did in his. Is that right? I'm talking about William Burnham here. He had the spirit of Moses. He took us out of Egypt. He had the spirit of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Is that right? The revelation of the son of man and the spirit of Elijah. In one man. Elijah. You can see him everywhere. In the Bible. This is not just a man we are trying to uplift, brother. In Genesis is there. Rebecca does not just find herself in the arms of Isaac. There is an Eliezer. Esther doesn't just find herself in the hands of Ahasuerus. <coughs> there is a Hege. Ruth does not just find herself in the hands of Boaz. There is a chief reaper. Praise be to God. This man is in the Bible. Samson is a type of William Branham. He was an eagle and a Nazarite from the tribe of Dan. Praise God. Samuel was a type of William Branham. Zerubbabel was a type of William Branham. Ezra was a type of William Branham. Brother, all through the Bible. We are not trying to fit in a character in the Bible. (coughs) It's clear, like you saw in the book of Revelation. Is just that angel. This is not just another prophet. So in Revelation chapter 10, this is what takes place. Praise God. Now, look at this very carefully. Don't know what I'm conscious of time, but I'll finish everything. Praise be to God. Now, I want you to look at this very carefully. You begin to see now the feast of the trumpets and atonement. And now you see Revelation 10. I'm even talking about chronology in the Bible. It, it, it ends with the sixth trumpet on chapter 9. And then the seventh, you find it on verse 14, chapter 11. God puts a bridge there. Chapter 10. And it's you and I. So you already see 10, 1 is Boaz. 7, Chief Reaper. 8 to 11, Ruth. Chapter 11, Naomi. Trumpets. Is it where we at, brother? Is it the hour we at? Sure, brother. Now, look at what I want you to see. If you can give me that diagram, brother. Now, the one that shows (coughs) what happens in between son of God and son of David, son of man, 
And uh, all right, this is where we at. Now, <clears throat> the pastor already went through this. I was telling him that he was taking my notes. Amen. Now, you see, when you come to Luke 24, we, we, we're talking about the resurrection. Is that right? The Bible tells you that the tombs were opened. Is that correct? Jesus Christ didn't resurrect alone. The, the, the Old Testament saints, they resurrected. According to Psalms chapter 24, open ye everlasting gates and let the king of glory enter in. I'm sure you know all about that. Praise the Lord. And Brother Branham makes it clear that the time that Jesus Christ was teaching and opening the understanding of, their peop- of these people, also the Old Testament saints were hovering around the city. For 40 days. How many have ever read that quote? Sure, brother. They were just walking in the streets, moving. That's what the pastor was saying, that, you know, Baram says Caiaphas will be just there in the temple, and then he sees a person, and Abraham and Sarah, and they're walking. And then he says, Abraham, and, say, who's that? Then they disappear. That's right. Then he says, ah, he's walking, see Joshua there. Ah, disappear. For 40 days, things were happening, brother. While Jesus was on the earth. But you must remember, he did not reveal himself to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. It was a special class of people that knew that this resurrected Christ was alive. The rest of the people knew nothing about it. When he was appearing and disappearing between the Son of Man and Son of God. Walking in Jerusalem teaching and opening the eyes of their understanding to the scriptures. Proving that you see this Old Testament, it has been me. You know, brother, I, you know, that was glorious moments. How many believe it was glorious moments? Yeah. You know, talking to the glorified Jesus. Yes. Praise God. Showing you from the Bible. Not through miracles. No miracle, brother. Just, you see, here in the Psalms, when David cried, it was me. You see, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, lament, it was me. You see, you see Ezra, you see these prophets of all, they were all typing me. So now they begin to understand that actually Christ was living out the prophecy of the Old Testament. Now here's something striking that Barbara speaks. He shows us that God being masculine and feminine. Is completed in the marriage of the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, praise the Lord, Christ only restored the masculine part of God. That's why you speak about greater than Solomon. Praise the Lord. He was showing that Adam and Eve were male and female. Praise the Lord. And they were separated. Is that right? right. And for us to have that threefold purpose, remember we spoke about it the first day. It must be Adam, Eve, in the garden, millennium, and Christ coming for fellowship. Praise the Lord. Now, when the Old Testament was closed, it was not the restoration of all things. That's why Paul was saying when the perfect comes, that which is in part shall be done away with. Now, the Old Testament was the restoration of the masculine part of God only. You believe that? Praise God. So that is what he was discussing with these people. Praise the Lord. 
so that they understand that he was that man. But now when you come to this, this is a church age, son of God, and son of David is the millennium, and you see the fifth trumpet already, the sixth trumpet, and the seventh trumpet, which is the third world war. Is that right? right. And in between, you see Revelation 10, 1, 7, and 10, 8 to 11. This is what takes place. Now, you see the rep, a repeat performance. The very same things that took place here between son of man and son of God will take place between son of God and son of David. Between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. The feast of the trumpets and atonement. Is that correct? Something will take place here. Now, let me read a quote. You see, down through the ages, when all these things were taking place, Christ was <coughs> preparing a bride. And now listen to what Brother Branham says. Christ is the mystery of God revealed, paragraph 107. Now, he has showed or revealed it in every type. That's in the Bible. Therefore, the entire Bible is the revelation of God's mystery in Christ. He says, hmm. The entire Bible is an expression of one goal that God had. One purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible. And all the acts of the believers in the Bible has been in type and expressing what God's great goal is. And now, this is the last day. He has revealed it and shows it. And God's help, well, you see it right here in the morning that the Lord has had in his mind all along and has expressed it. Now, you see what we're talking about. These types we're taking, Prabhupada says, is trying to express one goal that God had. Praise be to God. Amen. Now, this is a spoken word masterpiece. <clears throat> now, Forty-nine, and he, paragraph forty-nine, and he, as any great sculptor, would take his masterpiece. Now, first, he had a masterpiece of himself, but now he seen that the masterpiece was lonesome, like he was. So he divided the masterpiece by striking it in the side and brought forth a helmet. And now, to make the two one, he put them like any great sculptor in a place. That's beautiful. A sculptor wouldn't make a great masterpiece and then take it and set it in an alley somewhere or hide it behind buildings. As our Lord told us, a man doesn't light a candle and put it under a bushel. When he becomes God's masterpiece, we are, when we become God's masterpieces, we are not hid in an alley somewhere. We must give light. So we see that 
after he had made this masterpiece, he placed it up here on the earth and put it in the most beautiful place there was, in the Garden of Eden. He placed this masterpiece, the two being one, in the Garden of Eden. How it must have pleased him that he saw this masterpiece was well. Year after that, we found out that he rested. He was so well pleased with his work. Now you see what's happening here. God made a masterpiece. Male and female separated them and he put them in the garden. An expression of what he felt. The lonesomeness he had before time. Is that right? Somebody say amen. amen. Paragraph 52. And it was the stroke that cut the side of this masterpiece. That brought out the bride. Is that right? Am I repeating the same course? Yes. Is that right? That brought out the bride. Now, we see them as a masterpiece family in the Garden of Eden. They were a masterpiece family in the Garden of Eden. How beautiful it was. And it so pleased him till he took rest then. He said, I'll rest. But while he was resting and trusting to his masterpiece, his enemy came in and found this great masterpiece. And he by deceit crawls under the garden walls and then he marred this beautiful masterpiece. He marred it so that it fell. Now you see the falling away now. Are we together? Now paragraph 55. Problem they say, now notice then this masterpiece, when Satan got a hold of it, the deceiver, he broke through the walls and he marred this masterpiece because that, the way he did how did he do it? I'll go more in detail of it. How he done it. This masterpiece was warred by the word. God's word. And the masterpiece itself of the family was fortified by his word. But the broken part that was broke off of the original went out beyond that wall. We're talking about a woman. Yeah. Broke out of that masterpiece. It gives Satan a chance to mar it. That's Eve. Now as you know, what I believe on these things, so I won't have to say that, but the masterpiece was broke. He's talking about the serpent seed. But the great sculptor, when he seen the fall of his family, the masterpiece, he wasn't willing just to leave it lay there, face down and ruin. He went to work immediately to build it up again. He wasn't willing that it should perish, lay there like that all the time because he is God. And he will not be defeated. So he went to work immediately and began to build again unto his own image. Amen. amen. Right. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you see what is happening here? Do you see what is happening here? Now let me give you this quote. This is God bringing this masterpiece back again. Is it clear? In the same spoken word, the masterpiece. Amen. All right. It speaks about the three elements. Praise the Lord. And now the quote I want you to listen to is this one. Now, 108, brother. Now, problem says, now, for nearly 2,000 years, 
God has been again making him a masterpiece. Is that right? He struck Adam, a piece off of him, part of him, a rib to make a wife. Baron seems like he's repeating, but he wants to bring a point. And now, that perfect masterpiece that is struck at Calvary, he got a piece off of him, and he says, it's just the New Testament. That's all. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Now, it's the New Testament. Another piece to be fulfilled. See? New and old is husband and wife. See? And it taken the old to foreshow the new. Christ come, the masterpiece, to fulfill that. Now his bride will fulfill everything that's in the New Testament. Another masterpiece in the making. Praise be to God. Now you see what I'm talking about in that diagram. Christ at the end of the Old Testament showed that he was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. But now we are at the end of the age. We are at the end of the New Testament. There is another part that was cut off of him. It must also stand upon the scene and say this day, this scripture is fulfilled before your ears. Greater than Ruth. Greater than Esther. Greater than Bathsheba. Greater than Sarah. Greater than all the women of the Old Testament. Greater than Ruth. They must be a people upon the face of the earth. That will stand and show this generation. He calls it the bride coming of Christ. The same Christ coming in the bride. And this generation must witness. Now this puts you in a special class. You are not in the class of the people that are looking for salvation. You are in the class of the people that give it salvation. That they looked at him and they lived. Now they must look at you and live. You want to live? Look at me. I'm the scripture fulfilled. You want to live? Give me water. I'll repay you on the judgment bar. You want happiness in heaven? Visit me in the prison. I'll deal with you at white throne judgment. Because there's a people here listening to the word that will judge the earth. People that will separate the gods from the sheep. We are not part of that class of gods and sheep. We are taken up in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. We return in Revelation 19 with him. The armies of heaven. We are coming for the millennium. After the millennium, white throne judgment. And then now we open the books now. But you are staying in the same apartment with me. I told you, this William Branham was a man of God. You did not listen to me. You must go to hell before you say, oh, but, but, but I, 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 I gave you money for transport to go to church. All right. By grace, get in. Is that scripture, brother? There are people that will enter into heaven by such good deeds only. That the time when even your own mother, some people call her a witch, you know, but she preferred you. She was, she, she groomed you, you understand? She can enter to heaven because of that. You understand that? 
people she took care of you. Brother, we are talking about a dangerous type of people here. Praise God. These are not, are they really human beings? No! They are not just human beings. Their birth certificates are lying. Praise God. You know, I don't really like to give testimonies when I'm preaching. But you know, one, time, one day when I was still at the university, there was a certain spirit that manifested. You know, and they know the spoken. Demons know the spoken word more than the Pentecostals. Sure, sure, brother. A demon will say, I hate this book. Where did you get this book? You people, you know all our tricks. Where did you get this book? When you look, point the pillar of fire. Say, that one took my key, that one. Spirit crying, looking at the pillar of fire, pointing it. Say, that one took my key. So another one said, <clears throat> my wife was actually there. <clears throat> he says, I came here for you. And I said, who are you? He said, I'm Lucifer. You're preaching what happened before you were born. And you're exposing our kingdom here. And I reminded it that you are younger than us. Before you were, we were. Praise God. I was. And when I said, when he was still El, El when, before I finished El, El, Elohim, the demon was screaming, praise God, to just say El, El, Elohim. Now friends, when you talk about your genealogy, where you come from, these are not stories. Satan believes it even more than yourself. He knows what he's dealing with when you're standing, when you're praying, when you're preaching. Whatever you're doing, the devil knows that these people are non-starters. They know where they come from. And they know where they go from here. Praise God. I'm just trying to prove a point, brother, that we are not of this world. The people that will come at this junction are actually repeating what Christ did in his masculine state. And these people, like Christ, opened the scriptures. To others, they will also open the scriptures to these denominations to prove that you see the New Testament. You see it. You're telling denominations now, isn't it? This new, it's us, New Testament. We are the fulfillment of the New Testament. And now, when you rise to that consciousness, friends, I'm talking about the consecration that is tiered by an awareness you know, of this age and the present stage of your ministry as an individual. Our ministry as the bride. When you start to understand the obligations, the responsibility that God has put before us, you don't want to relax. You don't want to relax, brother. Remember, you can't judge if you've not been judged. When the pastor preaches hard, you're complaining. He's judging me. He's judging me because, but how will you be a judge if you're not judged? Do you get the point? Because the bride will not be judged because they have already been judged by the word. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. That's why we are here, brother. We are being judged and we are repenting because we are preparing to be judges. <laughs> we must know the law before we judge. So we are learning it, brother. We are being groomed into it. Praise God. We are trying to feel how others will feel. Because he is the high priest touched by the feelings of our infirmities. 
He had to feel what we feel so that he can intercede for us. And we are also doing the same, brother. That's why it's struggling for the bride. This earth is not a honeymoon. You want the honeymoon, wait for the millennium. Yeah, it's laboring, brother. When you look at the book of Acts, it will show you how a believer must live. Your Barnabas, your Stephen. Brother, these people were consecrated to God. They were not trying to act out something. The things that they did are the very things that we must see today. Because we are nearer to the coming of Christ than they were. But look at the laxity in the church. People are not crying for the Holy Ghost. People are satisfied in sitting in the church. People have no desire to cry and sigh for the abomination of the land. No one is interceding, brother. When you kneel down and pray, it's a selfish prayer. From the beginning to the end. It's a prayer of fear. Not a prayer of faith. Praise God. You can listen to a person praying, brother. You can tell this person is afraid. 90% of the prayer, I rebuke you, Satan. Leave my family. You say I will never be married. I want that job. It's mine. I receive it in Jesus' name. Satan, leave me alone. You know. You know what I'm talking about. You're trying to act like you're not afraid, but you're afraid. I'm not afraid of you, Satan. I'm not af- Did you say you're afraid? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of you. Come out. Leave me. In Jesus' name. Trying to save your life, brother. These are the common prayers. If there's an all-night prayer here, people will be praying for cars, marriage, money, a better job. Father, I'm tired of these things. Nobody's looking at the condition of the generation. Do you know you have no right to condemn the denomination without preaching to them? Sure, brother. Sure. That's irresponsibility. You must reach out first. Let them reject it, and then you judge them. Not to just judge her to say she's wearing a miniskirt. She doesn't know any better. She has not heard about the message. We don't even expect her to be any better. She's actually a best like that. But give her the word. And if she rejects, then judge her. Praise God. But some people, they want to console themselves by the mistakes of other people. Sure, your holiness is not because somebody has failed. Your holiness is a consecrated life. Personal life. That's why, brother. So when you want to feel better, you start to look at the West. That's not how we walk, brother. You must live for God. And other people want to weaken the God of other men. When they have failed in the message, they want to localize their sin. Standardize it. Explain it away by the scriptures. That other people loosen their God. Hey, brother, you don't do that. If you have seen, repent. Praise God. But in the spoken word, you know, these things used to happen. Brother, I'm this and that. You know, a person is just, you're going further away from the truth. You know, when you're done wrong, just stand and say, I'm sorry. I repent. Don't try to explain your sin. Don't try to justify your mistake. You are in an evil body. God understands. Just confess. Say, I'm sorry I did this. Not to go in circles. And now other people are falling in the same trap. Because you have defended your sin. Ah, well, I didn't really hug. It's not really a hug. You know, but, you know, the sister. You know, 
she's my cousin of that other cousin cousin so so you know so now others don't understand what you're talking about they'll start to feel oh so it means i can still hug a girl and then i'll just call a cousin if you have failed you have failed confess your sins there must be a people in this hour that are ready to be consecrated to be the very manifestation of the word. We are saying the bride herself is taking the word. It's the court itself. And the bride is revealing herself in the very same Bible. You get the point? That when you're reading Esther, you're seeing yourself. You're taking the word itself and you're revealing yourself in it. You get the point? Now when you see how Esther was walking, you know how to walk. How Ruth was walking, you know how to walk. How but Sheba walked? You know how to walk. You, you get the point? You're getting your notes from here. This is your standard, not television. Not internet. You want to know how to dress? Come back to the Bible. You want to know how to treat your husband? Come back to the Bible. You want to know how to live well with your wife? Come back to the Bible. All the answers are here. Not a bunch of magazines that you're gathering in your home trying to find how to please a man. Not in the magazines. It's in the spoken word. It's in the Bible. It's not on Google to begin with. You know, some people, when they get problems, the first thing they consult is Google. They don't think about the pastor. We have a problem here, my wife. Okay. How to deal with depression? Start to read. Oh, depression, this. Are you really the bride? Get a sickness in the house. The child is not feeling well. Google. You don't even consult God. You don't even kneel down to pray. You, you first want to find your own solutions. You know, if God respects you more if you put him first. You don't have to go like, I've tried all these avenues and things are not working. Let me try that God. And then he's the last resort. <coughs> no, brother. Put God first in everything that you're doing. I'm talking about consecration here, brother. When you understand the age you're living in, when you understand the stage of our ministry, we are preparing for the rapture. You can't see people from the other dimension as they did there if you're not consecrated. Your eyes must be purged, anointed with eyes of, that you can behold clearly what God is doing in an hour. They that cry and sigh for the abomination of the land are the people that shall be sealed, not those who are trying to save their lives. You, you get the point? Amen. We've got a lot of selfishness in the message right now. People can't live for the other person. Amen. You live for yourself. It's, it's your benefit. Whatever you're doing, it's for yourself and your family. You get the point? You don't even feel pity for the next person if they're not well up and things are not going right in their home. You'd rather, you'd rather say, but people must work. Why can't they work? They just want to beg all the time. You must remember, friend, you never gave yourself what you have. Whether it's intelligence or if you're passing and you graduate and you get the best degree, it's not a sign that you are brilliant. It's God that gives those things. And God can take them away. It's not because you have prayed too much that you got a job. Ah, myself, as we prayed and fast, let them pray and get job. Hey, hey. Watch it. It's God's grace. It's not, it's providence. You can't say you've done anything for you to be where you're at. 
There are people who study more than you did, but they failed. There are people who pray more than you, but they can't get a job. But you have it. So now you want to be proud and say it's your power? Humble yourself before God. People must know, brother, this earthly status is demonic. Show, brother, it's demonic. There's nothing spiritual about status. It's a synonym of demon. Status. Now I'm from another class. We're not from this. We're not from. Did you make yourself that? I never chose to be a man. Yes, you never chose to be a woman. I never chose to be a Zimbabwean. You never chose to be a South African. You never chose your parents. You never chose your skin color. God could have made you anything. And you could have complained to anybody. You get the point? So don't attribute your effort to what you are. Humble yourself and fear God. Whatever that God has made you, humble yourself. Say, God, may I be a benefit amongst your people. You see, Barnabas was a rich man. He sold everything he had. He gave to the believers. Now, that's a man who understood that this earthly journey is nothing but trash. You get the point? You know children when they're playing, young kids, dolly babies, you know how they do it. Have you ever seen your kids playing at home? Someone who put a door at the back and says, I'm a mom. The other one who take a brick and say, I've got a car, a brick, I've got a, I bought a bus. I'm, I'm, I'm owning buses. Another one who get a small, <coughs> excuse me, a small stone and say, I've got a, a Mercedes Benz. And they'll be playing, you know, with stones, you know, with dolls. You know, some will take some leaves, start cooking. I'm the mother here. So, no, you, you, I'm not the mother, I'm the auntie. So, okay, I'm the uncle here. Some say, I'm a pastor. I take a, a paper, so I'm preaching here. Repent, hallelujah, amen. You know, the kids will be enjoying, you know, all day long. It's a game, it's a drama. Praise God. But there comes a time when night falls and mama comes back from work. Praise God. Mama will just say, Daniel, come and bath. You see that pastor who was a man <laughs> running home like you're dirty. <laughs> sorry, mama, sorry, sorry. Now that grandfather is being beaten. <laughs> but you never hear Charles say, wait, mommy. I, I, I got married to two wives during the day. I was I must come with my wives. Mommy, I want to get my car. I've got a car out there. And children, they'll run alone. Amen. You get the point? You've got good families. Good jobs. Beautiful cars. Status. All of those things, you've got them. And we thank God for that. But when night falls, God will call you alone. Amen. You're not going to go with your wife. Neither will you take your car with you. Your very house will remain. Everything that you've achieved here will stay behind. You see what I'm talking about here? You don't need to be drenched in these things. Don't be overwhelmed by the things of the world. Because your night will come, maybe tonight. And when it does, you then realize I was proud for no reason. I should have humbled myself. 
Your children will remain. Your father will remain. Your wife will remain. Everything will remain. You stand alone and answer for the things you've done in this life. You must be consecrated in this hour. As the bride of Christ, you must be consecrated by this awareness of the age we're living in and the present stage of our ministry. I'll close with this quote. Praise God. How many love the Lord? Now, Brother Branham, he's speaking, I think it's the Feast of the Trumpets. 1964. Let's start from paragraph 258. Okay, let's start from 257. Remember, the bride is already in heaven. Joseph's wife was in the palace and Joseph dismissed everything from around him and he made himself known to his brothers. You see, his wife and children and them, as in, and them was in the palace when he returns back to make himself known to the Jews. Is that right? Amen. Now, there is the atonement. There is your sound trumpet. There is way they say, oh, what is it? There is the atonement. Where is them wounds come from? There it is in the house of my friends. Remember that Joseph's brother said, why? They said, now, we'll be killed, sure enough. We did that. We did the evil thing like that. He said, no, God did this to save life. That was for the bride to come. That was for Ruth to be in God's commonwealth. Now, you remember the story in Genesis, see? So did he do it this way, to serve the life of the Gentile, the bride. He said, I got them in the house of my friends, but don't be angry, see? Don't be afraid of yourself. They say, oh my, did we actually miss seeing him? Was that the atonement? And we have missed it. Oh God, they said. They just separated themselves and mourned for days. What is it? The atonement, sadness, this time, the coming of the making known. Atonement is not the regular atonement being killed like in Leviticus 16, but Leviticus 23 is a mourning time in their sins, of their sins. And their sin was they rejected it. Or don't you see where we're at? Amen? Do you see where we're at? Don't you see why them trumpets mean nothing to us, the Gentiles? They're all sounded under the sixth seal. You see now why the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me speak it. And the Heavenly Father knows with this Bible before me. That's the truth. Did he know it till yesterday? Before yesterday, in my room there, where he revealed it. Come to me and spoke to me. I come back, I said, wife, I got it now. He just met me in there and told me, yeah, it is, honey. See? There it is. See? Perfectly just in harmony. Oh, people without him, get in quick. It might be the last opportunity you will ever be able to have. You don't know what time 
he might come. The fifth of the trumpets, the Bible says, they will separate themselves for one another for another and pray and weep because like a person with their only child being lost. Look, I want you to say one more thing. Closely now, don't miss this. How striking from the seventh angel messenger, from the seventh angels, messenger of the seventh seal. Message in Revelation 10 was the seventh seal to the seven trumpets between those two times. Now, Babram is trying to bring it in a place where you can understand. He says, oh God, how can we say this to make the people see it? It's between that sixth trumpet and the sixth trumpet and the sixth trumpet and the sixth seal. Sounds at the same time. <coughs> Look at the point. Now, and between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, there's a prophet to appear before the Gentiles to call the people back to the original Pentecostal doctrine. And then two witnesses of Revelation 11 appear to the Jews to send them to Jesus while the church is being taken up. All of them prophets. Amen. The word of the Lord cannot be broken. It won't be a denomination. Do you see it? You see the, the prophet speaking it. Between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, there's a prophet to appear. He's coming to the Gentiles. Now read in your Bible here and see if that, between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, isn't injected in there. Let the Jews being caught out between the sixth and the seventh plague. We come over to that 140 thousand. You remember that? Which was between that. Do you remember? So between the sixth, the fifth, amen, you know, it's trying to put it in an order. Between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, there was a calling out of 144,000. You remember that? Is that right? Is that right? Amen. We're talking about the sixth seal and the seventh seal. You see what we're talking about? That's Revelation 7. Is that right? Revelation chapter 6 closes with the sixth seal. Is that right? And the seventh seal is chapter 8. And there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. But there's a breach in between there, which is chapter 7. 6, 8, and then 7. And Brabham is showing you 7 is still the Jews. 144,000. So he say as much as there was a breach between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, there's also a breach between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. The first one is the salvation of the Jews on the seventh chapter, 144,000. And the second one is the bride. That's the trumpets. Seals are for the bride. And in between the seals, the Jews are saved. Trumpets are for Israelites. And between the trumpets, the bride is saved. That's what this quote is saying. Praise God. Now, because some of you, you just keep this out. The prophet is confused. He knows, he knows what he's talking about. <coughs> Praise the Lord. There was a calling out of the 144,000. You remember that? Now, there is where these trumpets come in right there. See? And persecution and horses loosed on there. Now, then between that, then here was to be the seventh angel message that had been preaching and condemning the Pentecostals. And Jesus had been put out. Wouldn't have no cooperation with nobody. 
but put on the outside, rejected. The Bible says so. For if Christ made manifest among us, Jesus amongst us all, made manifest in the purity of his word, making it known, this is not just make-up friends. Can I bring that back again? This is not just make-up friends. This is, that says the Lord, the scripture, praise be to God. And at the same time, now as soon as the church bride is drawn together, she is taken up. And the mystery of the seventh seal, or the seventh seal, the mystery of going, and the Jews is called by the mystery of the seventh trumpet, which is two prophets, Elijah and Moses, and they come back, and there is where the Pentecostal is all mixed up. They are looking for something to happen. The church is done, gone. And that's to the Jews. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Consecration steered by an awareness of your age and the present stage of your ministry. May the Lord bless you, Whitbank. And I pray... By God's grace, you have received edification. Some blocks to put upon your temple. Because that's the purpose why you came out. The purpose of the exodus. And you must not rest until that temple is done, built. Because the Lord will not come until the temple is ready. Behold, I send my angel, my messenger. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly appear in his temple. Don't be discouraged by these adversaries. They'll come. But don't quit building. God has given us hard guys that will tell you, why are you building your own houses and you leave the house of God laying worst? Go back to the building of the house of the Lord. That's your Passover. And then when you do that, friends, you're ready for an interdimensional travel. You get the point? Because the temple is ready. Enoch was ready. The temple was ready. God filled him. And it means he had to change dimension but never forget never forget we are still on earth before that translation there must be a consecration steered by an understanding of this age and the present stage of your ministry that you go on your knees by faith not just kneeling down but it's by faith which is a revelation you are kneeling down because you've got a revelation your burden is not connected to your circumstances. It's connected to what you're reading in the Bible. You're not praying because things are not working at work. Things are not going right at home. And then you're being put upon your knees. Those are called circumstantial prayers. But a prayer of revelation is when you read the Bible and you carry a burden and you feel you can't even go to work until you release it. You want to intercede for your lost loved ones. Those that have been lost to the world the brother used to see in church and they no longer come. It pains you. Say, where is my brother? He used to sing for us so well. She used to come and sit in the front and say, hallelujah. Praise God. That family was anointed. When I would see them in the house of the Lord, I would feel blessed. But where are they? Now you read the Bible, you, you see the dead people who are crying and sighing for the abomination of the land. Then you want to kneel down for them. Do you get the point? It's a prayer of faith, not fear of circumstances. And we must gravitate. We must rise up to that level. 
where whatever we do is connected to revelation. We're in the end time. Time is fast spent. Get consecrated. As they give us a song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. How many are saying, Lord, prepare me? I want to be a sanctuary that at the end of these meetings, I'll be a fit residence, resident of Almighty God, that He can come and establish His stay in me. Praise be to God. How many would want that? How many would want that? Did you understand, friends? Do you see where God is trying to lead you? Praise be to God. Lord, prepare to be a sanctuary. As we sing it together now. Tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Thank you, Father. As we pray, dear precious heavenly God, your God, we want Father God, we want to live a life 
Father God, that is Father God, good. Father God, in your sight, O Lord. Heavenly Father God, and throughout this weekend, O God, to our Father God, to be closer to thee, O God. Heavenly Father God, every time, O God, O God, the Father God, you are just Father God, you are just bringing us a step closer, O oh Lord. Father God, you brought your brother Lawrence all the way, O oh God. Father God, just, just share, O oh God, a little secret, O oh God. Father God, that consecration, O oh God. The God is not what God, the, the, the pretense that we've been doing, O oh God. Father God, believing, O oh God, Father but, O oh God, it is more than, than a relationship with you, O oh God. Father God, it is one with you, O oh God. Father God, and when we end this conference, O oh God, Father. Father God, may we understand, O oh God, Father. That, O oh Lord, this walk, O oh God, is not we with you, O oh God. But you in us, O oh God. Father God, so that we can reflect you, O oh God. Heavenly Father God, that before, O oh God, we, we look around us, O oh God. Father God, we will use, Father God, your eyes to see, O oh God, our brother, our sister next to us, O oh God. Father God, and correct them, O oh God. Heavenly God, Father, so many times, O oh God, we are quick to judge, O oh God. Father God, but wait, yet, O oh God, we are guilty, O oh God, because we failed, O oh God, to try and help them right, O oh God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for our brother, O oh God, that stood, O oh God, Father. Father God, that labored, O oh God, Father throughout this weekend, O oh God. Father, we pray, O oh God, may you restore the virtue that has left him, O oh God. Father, may you bless him and his family, O oh God. Heavenly Father, God, but, O oh God, us, O oh God, that, that receive the word, O oh God. Father, God, may it, Father, God, make us better, O oh God. Father, God, may it mold us, O oh God. Father, God, so that you can use us, O oh God. Father, God, I pray, O oh Lord, may you be with us now, O oh God. Father, as we go home now, Lord, to prepare for the afternoon service, O oh God. Father, may we come, O oh God, as vessels, O oh God, to receive, O oh God, even more, O oh God, from Thee, O oh Lord. Father, O oh God, because, O oh God, we are ready, O oh God. Father, we are willing, O oh God. Father, we say, O oh God, come and use us, O oh God. Father, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you richly. Uh, were you blessed? Amen. Brother Brenham, I like what he said when he said, God said your success is going to be in the West. And yet there were more miracles that happened in Devon, South Africa and India. But God did not deem that to be a success. The greatest success was the opening of the way. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says that third pool is the one that I must be loyal to. Why? Because it can never it can never be impersonated. The Wishiris are playing around with first and second pool. But the third pool, it is a diet for the bride. Hallelujah. We really thank God. A round of applause for the world. Amen. If you keep on that trajectory, Pastor Mutase, you will never go wrong. Keep on keeping on. Amen.
We appreciate you the Lord. Just give us a song. We are back here uh, at four o'clock. Amen. Quick, just a quick lunch. Very light, not heavy. Lest you fall asleep in the afternoon. Then we are coming back to wrap up the conference. God bless you richly. Four o'clock we are back. And 4.30 we start. Let's be on time. God bless you richly. Genna, 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 gossi and lizweni. Sitting genna, chesu, genna, 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 gossi and lizweni. Sitting genna, baba, genna, 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 gossi and lizweni. Jesus. Jesus. 